Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to study together this evening. Father, we, uh, we want to uh, do a, something that's a little special this, this evening. We want to pray for all those folks in, in Uvalde, folks who have lost their children. I know this will come out later than, than that. There'll be a lot have, have happened, but uh, in the meantime, but we want to pray for those families, Father, and, and the loss they must feel and the grief they feel. And we pray, Father, that your hand of comfort and hand of peace would be on them. And if there's anything that we can do to help alleviate that the pain that they feel. Father, help us to, to know what that is that we can do and, and then make us aware of that, Father. Father, again, as we study tonight, we pray that you'd, your blessings would be on us, that we will see clearly the things that you need us to see, and that we will have the courage to apply these things to our lives, Father. Thank you for the opportunity we have to study together this evening. As in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. So we're gonna be in Exodus chapter 32 mm -hmm. and where you know we're continuing this story where the israelites have broken covenant uh dan what what is god like in his anger well you know i don't know that that any of us have have uh, really experienced it and know that it was his anger um I, I, hebrews chapter 12 tells us endure hardship is discipline mm -hmm. because god disciplines those he loves you know, and there is a there is a a righteous anger, a righteous righteous indignation that I think God exhibits. He doesn't have an anger that loses control. Mm. Okay, you know, we many times have anger that loses control, and and that's that's inappropriate. That's not biblical. Uh, it, in fact, God says, "Don't let the sun go down on your anger." Uh, so, I think I think his anger, if you really Biblically, I think you look at it as discipline, and and that's that's a hard concept for us to grab a hold of, because we will, as human beings, we will we will get angry at children, and do some horrific things to them, mm. and put it under the under the under the heading of this is discipline. No, this is abuse. Mm. You know, you don't break a kid's arm yeah. by beating them with a stick, and say that's discipline. Right. But that's where we go to sometimes. Not everybody, but but we we have that mindset. I can I can get angry with my wife, say ugly things to her, and not talk to her for a week, 
and and that's acceptable. No, it's not. So we mask. We we absolutely we act in our anger, in our rage, in our frustration, and then and then try to justify it by claiming discipline or or whatever. Other God's going to use this situation. He's going to be angry. I don't. God has no intention of of disconnecting uh, uh, from this people, but he's got to show us something about Moses here. He's got to show Moses something about himself. And, and yeah, I think God's very clear about, he has, he has put it out there very clearly that when my anger will, will exhibit itself through the discipline that I discipline you with, you know, endure hardship is discipline. You know, he, ha he has a righteous indignation to towards his children. Just like we're, you know, I can get angry with my children. Right. I can get angry with your children. But how am I going to, how am I, how is that going to come across? Uh, it has to come across in a right way, in a righteous way. And, and I think that's what God exhibits to us. That's what he's going to exhibit here. Well, he has every right. You know, he has every right, especially, I mean, we see it here in the text pretty clearly. He has every right to be upset. He's made an agreement. He's made a covenant with these people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go and you buy a, a car, you get a loan to buy a car uh -huh. and you renege on the payments, mm -hmm. right? You, you back out of it. You don't do, you don't fulfill your obligation. The bank has every right to be frustrated with you and to repossess your car, mm -hmm. right? Because they gave you the money with the understanding that you were going to pay them back and you didn't do it. And it's very very similar here. God has, they have entered into an agreement. You're not going to do these things. You're going to treat me as holy. You're going to do these things. And they immediately, immediately break that. So but he God, knew from the beginning they weren't. Absolutely. Because yeah. he knew he was going to, he knew, we talked about it last week about a, a, an intercessor. You know, Moses is going to be that, you know, and it's going to point us to Christ. Absolutely. He knows that Christ is coming. Even back then, he knows he's going to bring his people up. They're going to do a bunch of despicable stuff. He is going to, he is going to raise them up. And, and he's already told Abraham that I'm going to raise up a nation after you and your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Okay. And through all, through your seed, all nations are going to be blessed. He's already got it planned. Mm -hmm. So he already knows that down the road, you know, through his indignation, through his anger, whatever you want to call it, he is going to, he's going to relent to a place where, where he, where Jesus is raised up. And now we have a relationship with him through the blood of his son. When we see that, and I think we see see a summation of that really in Isaiah 59. Mm -hmm. No one sought righteousness. No one pursued no. this. So the arm of the Lord brought it himself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're going to see that in the face of wrongdoing, in the face of a violation of covenant, we need an intercessor. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're going to see. That's what so they have here. Let's and let's jump into it. Let's look at uh, so we're in Exodus chapter thirty-two, verse nine. Um, the Lord is speaking, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, this in verse eight, it ends with Aaron saying, "Hey, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt." We talked about that. Most that. Uh, well, this is Aaron speaking oh, to the people. Okay, right? yeah, you're right. Before right. that, but now this is God speaking to Moses. So we know what's happened down below the mountain. Moses is on the mountain, totally ignorant, and then God speaks to him. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And then I will make you into a great nation. Let me see. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. I was wrong. So verse, that accent, that area is the Lord telling Moses. Yeah. You're right. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I thought that was still Aaron down below. So the Lord is informing Moses of what has happened down below. And then he says, this is the result. This is the result of them breaking covenant. This is the result of this sin. I'm going to, my anger is going to burn against them. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to take you, Moses, and through you, fulfill the promise I made to Abraham. It reminds me very much, I, and we may have mentioned it last week, 
of uh, John the Baptist telling the Pharisees, and don't claim that you have Abraham as your father because God can take these stones yeah, and raise yeah. up children from Abraham. Yeah. I think something we need to clarify too is, is, is God, there's numerous times in the book where God's gotten angry. Oh yeah. Numerous times. Yeah. You know, the, the difference between then and now is, is I have a relationship with him through the blood of his son. And I have, I have a relationship that's a son to a father. And it's, and it's different now. Right. Well, and, and let's keep this in context, right? Not only mm-hmm. is that different, you're absolutely right. Uh, we have this, as Christians, we have this relationship with mm-hmm. God as Father, but who are these people for a second? And what has God done on their behalf? Mm-hmm. And look at the way they've reacted. God, just like Jesus with the Pharisees, mm-hmm. when you ought to know something and you ought to act away, there is a higher expectation from God. And it's the same thing here, mm-hmm. right? Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, like looked at, for example, looked at Josephus and said, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? In John chapter three, yeah. right? He he called out the Pharisees and the Sadducees, woe to you, right? For yeah. all of these reasons. Yeah. It's the same thing here. These are people who have traveled with God for months, who have seen his mighty works, who yeah. have seen him and they've yeah. constantly tested him. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. You're right though. We do have a different relationship. Uh, but look at verse, verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? What do you mean, why? Hmm? What do you mean, why? Moses is like, well, why, well, why Lord? Why? <laughs> why? why? Um, what's, what, what is he doing here? Why, why is he doing this? Why do you think Moses is doing this? Why, why does he, why does he, I mean, if I, I can imagine for a second, but, I mean, you're on a mountain with God and God says, I'm going to wipe these people out. Do you stand in front of the gun? Because we have a different perspective than God does. Moses is looking at it and says, wait a minute. You know, I've spent my blood and tears on these people, man. And you're just going to go and just kill them? Yeah. I, I, went up to, I went up to Pharaoh and I yelled at him, <laughs> yeah. you know, and now yeah. you're just going to go the other way. And so we have a different perspective. God looks at things from a different set of eyes than we do. Mm-hmm. And so God's looking at this and saying, you've broken my covenant. Right. You know, when they come back to the pro- when they come to the promised land in just a little short time, you know, he's t- he tells them at the end of this, mm-hmm. he tells them, I will pay them back. I will get just mm. I just not going to do it now. Yeah. But I'm going to get he's going to wipe out 600,000 people that won't go in the promised land because they're afraid. And they say, we can't do this. And God said, how dare you? He's, yeah, he's going to be done with them. And he's going to be done. And and he tells them. He, and when they leave here, when they leave this mountain, he's going to put a plague on them. And they're going to start dying. Okay, mm-hmm. So he is going to punish them. He's just not going to totally obliterate them and start over. Yeah. All right. But, you know, I can understand why why God was looking at it and say, you know what? You know, I, I, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, he, but, but here's the intercessor showing up. Verse 11. Yeah. The intercessor shows up. Absolutely. So it says, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord and his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? You know, he said, see the perspective of people. God has one perspective. The Egyptians have one. Moses has another one. You know, the, the Egyptians, look, he just brought, he just playing with them. He just brought them up out there to wipe them out in the desert. How do we make how do we make appeals to God? And I think this is if we look at this, and we've seen a we've seen this happen a couple of times where people intercede. Right, Abraham was an intercessor; he interceded on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And now we see Moses interceding. How do you do that? How do you intercede? 
And I think we see a very common thread with both Abraham and Moses, right? Abraham goes, far be it from you, Lord, to wipe away the wicked with the righteous or mm -hmm. wipe away the righteous with the wicked, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's his basis, appealing to God's just righteous yeah. nature. And look at what he's do Moses is doing here, appealing to God's glory. If you kill all these people, Lord, the Egyptians are going to say that's why you brought them all out. See, he brought them all out of Egypt because they were a wicked people, and we just wanted to, he just wanted to wipe them all away, mm -hmm. right? So, on for your glory, Lord, and what did Jesus say in the high priestly prayer? I have brought you great glory mm -hmm. and honor. Mm -hmm. See, how do we how do we intercede for people? And this is important because we're supposed to be priests. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to intercede on behalf of the world. That's what priests do. They they are mm -hmm. God. To the, to the world, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So how do we intercede on behalf of the world? And I think this is a great example. When we're praying for people, when we're out there and, pe and people are telling us their problems or people are upset or frustrated, our reaction needs to be one of prayer and it needs to be one of intercession on their behalf. Mm -hmm. God, for your greatness, for your glory, let this be so and so. Relent from here. Bring them righteous. Bring them justice, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool dynamic. And I think that, that you know, we've been to see Daniel a lot. And, you know, we go, you know, we tape this on a Wednesday morning. So when we get through, we run to the hospital and we and we go see Daniel. We've been going to see Daniel and, you know, and 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 I've heard the, the prayers have been, you know, you know, please heal him and show your power to this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and show these people. And we've even had a chance to pray with with a with a doctor a couple of times that was in there when we got there. And and he agreed to pray with us, you know, and and, uh, you know, so that's the that's the interceding we're talking about. Absolutely. Is, you know, whenever you get the opportunity, sometimes you may be sitting in a restaurant and you just pray. You know, uh, me and Kevin and Georgia went to a place the other day and, and uh, you know, we, we were just eating breakfast and, and it was a quick, quick, quick thing. And we were going to all go our separate ways. And we got through and and uh, and uh, we sat down and, and I watched. I knew that this late one lady that works there was watching us because she was sitting there and she's facing right towards us. And, uh, and, and we prayed just very, you know, very, not in a, in your face way, just a very calm, very quiet, you know, and I know she saw us. She didn't say anything, but I know she saw us. She had to have seen us. She couldn't miss it to what we'd just done. And, uh, and that's, that's in, in a way as an intercession. Maybe she's having a tough time. You don't know. And maybe just her seeing you bow your head, take your hat off, bow your head and say, God, please bless this food. Sure. Yeah. Maybe that is a way to intercede on her behalf. So we have to be aware all the time, guys, of, of our, our responsibility and opportunity. Second Corinthians chapter five says we are Christ ambassadors as if he was making his appeal through us. Yeah. And so, you know, we have a responsibility to allow him to make his appeal through us. You know, of, of, of the God of creation, the God of heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, using us as priests to make his plea through us, you know. And is he is he angry with this world? I mean, how could you not? Man, you know, the last count that I have of when we're doing this, you'll see this in a couple of weeks. You know, remember, we're we're when you see this, we're going to be a couple of weeks behind. So it was 19 children and a couple of adults killed. You know, you don't think God's angry? Yeah. He, you know, he said, tells us we have to become and have the mindset these little children have, the innocence they have. And then Jesus had baby little kids crawling all over him, man. And, and you know, for somebody to go in and butcher them, yeah. I'm angry. I wish we were as angry about that I, I know as we say. were about, as we are about the, you know, 65 million children 
that have been butchered yeah on the altar of molech and i say it that way because it's exactly what it it's is exactly if you, if you listen to the the pro-abortion argument right now what they say is well you know they they you don't have the the financial means if it needs it means if a woman is going to succeed she can't have a baby as a as a young adult or a young kid or before they're ready because she needs to be able to succeed and you've heard uh, you've heard uh, these actresses get up and say i'm here today standing here with an oscar or an emmy or whatever because i i had an abortion understand that when these these pagan cultures sacrificed their children to these gods when they they butchered these infants and put them in the fire and did all these things they were doing it for prosperity yeah and that's exactly the argument and it's foolish if you're out there right now and you're you're pregnant and you're not sure if you're you're thinking about keeping the baby or, or you're not sure because you're in a difficult spot there are plenty of people who want to help you reach out yeah reach out yeah. and further i would also point out you have no idea what's coming down the road you have no idea you have no capability to protect the predict the future none whatsoever you could have this baby and that could be the turning point in your life yeah. yeah so before you do anything reach out to a pregnancy help center reach out you know the catholic church has tons of these things yeah. all over the country mm -hmm. you know i wish we had the resources they did i wish we could do some of that but go to your local church and ask for help yeah. i guarantee you there are going to be people there who would be willing to help you yeah. rather than you you kill that child yeah, absolutely yeah. guarantee it yeah. so and you it, don't think that god's and not angry about that stuff i absolutely think he is i and think i think what we do is we conveniently just don't think about it yeah. and as a society we've got and and then and then when that happens we open the door and Satan sticks his foot in, and pretty soon he's got his leg in, and then he's got his half his body in, and now he's got now he's now he's got us. Now he's got us right where because if we'll if we'll go to that place, what's the next place we'll go to, or the next place, or the next place? And now we're looking at it. We have a society. You know, I'm watching all this this stuff on TV last night, and I'm going, I cannot believe some of the people are saying some of the stuff they're saying, man. I mean, it's just it's what do you just, mean? I mean, just about this about the shooting in Uvalde. I mean, just some nonsense, man. You know, I heard one person say you cannot blame good people for the acts of one bad person. Well, that's not nonsense. That sounds. That's the truth. But I'm talking about some. The reason that was said was because of some of the other nonsense that was happening. Oh. You know, using it as a platform for for gun control. Uh, yeah. Doesn't have me, anything to do with any of that you know, stuff. Let me and let me. Yeah, absolutely. And so, how can you tell? How can you tell wicked, evil people, church? They stand on the graves of children like this and then say, "This ought to be." Yeah. Right. This ought to be. And we've seen this over and over and over again. This is a horrible thing. This is a horrific thing. All right. This the, what this guy did is is horrible. And they're, people are going to take advantage of what he did. They're going to stand on the graves of those children and then they're going to use it for political clout yeah. as a political cudgel. What that's that's evil. Yeah, that's evil. See, so not when okay. you look at this and you see what God looks at, he says, he said, they've made a calf in my image, I mean, an image, and they're worshiping this, this idol. And he just told them not to do that. That's right. He don't misuse my name. Don't misuse my image. Don't misuse me. And, and he said, and that's exactly what they're doing. He has every right to be mad. And that's right. And, and, but Moses intercedes just like Jesus intercedes for us. You don't think he gets mad at us sometimes? You don't think he gets mad at this society and Jesus interceding and saying, Father, I died for these people. Give them a chance. Just wait. It'll be okay. Many, there's many more of them coming. Just, just give, just give your people a chance to reach out to them. Well, and that's what he says in Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. That's exactly he is right. Patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so, and knowing well, I, that, in but with that frame of mind, he has an intercessor. He has a mediator that he put in place, just like Moses, to intercede for the people.
And Jesus is at his right hand interceding for the people as we speak. Yep. Interceding for that guy's family or what? Intercede. Give it time. It'll work. Well, Give let's finish this yeah. intercession. Verse 12. Why, would, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land. I promise them it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he threatened. Does, do our prayers matter? Absolutely. Does absolutely. our intercession of people matter? And I think it absolutely does. But real quick, I want to look, let's, let's turn over to Deuteronomy 18. Before we, before we finish that, I want to point out the prophecy that says, I'm going to bring a prophet like Moses, mm -hmm. right? So this is Deuteronomy 18, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 17. That's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 17. Uh, now, uh, actually, we're going to come up a little bit to verse 15. All right. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Now, this is Moses talking to the Israelites. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. So within the Torah itself, we have these multiple allusions to somebody coming, right? Mm -hmm. Starts back in Genesis chapter 3. Mm -hmm. There's going to come a seed of woman who's going to stomp this snake on the head. He's going to strike him on the heel, but he's gonna, that's Genesis 3, 15. And then we flash forward here to Deuteronomy 18. Moses has come. Remember, we've been looking for who is this person, right? All throughout Genesis, we're looking for who is this person who's going to kill the snake. Moses points forward again. It's not me. It's not Joshua. There's coming a person, right? You must listen to him. Verse 16, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. Remember, I said that was a type of rejection. Yeah, mm-hmm. God is, God knew they were going to do it. God is going to use that. And he's going to say, I know, I know. So I'm going to bring you someone else. Yeah. You can't deal with me this way. I'm going to bring you someone that you can deal with. Mm -hmm. Right. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And it will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen exactly to my Jesus words. Said. Yeah. In John chapter 12, he said, the words I spoke will judge in the last day because I, I spoke only what the Father told me to say. There is a, there is a popular teaching about the Gospels that, that's been going around for you know, a couple hundred years at this point. But it basically says that the Jews missed Jesus, that they did not understand, that they did not, they did not catch that he was, the, he was the Messiah. That's not the case. They absolutely understood he was the Messiah and they absolutely did not care. And they absolutely put him to death. The idea that the Jews missed the Messiah is nonsense. The leadership understood he was the Messiah. They understood exactly who he was and what he was. You cannot look at the things Jesus said and come away with any other understanding. Because these people knew the book, Dan. But they, they didn't but they had, care. But, but Cole, they had convinced themselves that he wasn't the Messiah. They convinced themselves. They, they may have known it deep in their hearts. They may have sensed it that, they, you know, that when they walked in the temple the day he died and the curtain is split from top to bottom and everything's in disarray, you, they, but they have to justify what they're doing. They have to justify their position and they have to justify what they've just done. Think, about, think about John 3, when mm -hmm. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, what mm -hmm. does he say? We know, Rabbi, we know you are, that from, you are God. from God. The same thing they said about John the Baptist when Jesus challenges him and says, 
Let me ask you a question. You asked me by what authority I do these things. Let me ask you. John the Baptist was oh, his yeah, baptism. I remember. I remember. And they feared. Why? Because they knew the people considered him a prophet of God. Josephus, in his Antiquities and Wars of the Jews that he writes later, writes how John the Baptist was a prophet from God. And in fact, when Herod Antipas was defeated by another king, this is the Herod that killed John the Baptist. The people all thought, and again, Josephus is writing about this stuff. The people all figured, oh yeah, this happened because he killed John the Baptist because they killed the prophet of God. Mm -hmm. So to claim that these people didn't know, it that's not true. They knew, they didn't care. They knew these men were from God. They knew what they said was righteous. They knew what they said was true. They did not well, care. It's just like these people back over here in, in, in Exodus 32. Yeah. They know that this is God. They know. I mean, you can't follow a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and hear the rumble through the mountain talk to you and say, we don't want to hear his voice anymore to not to say that wasn't God. You know it was God. You've chosen not to believe it. You've chosen. And, and we can we can convince ourselves that something's true that's not true. Oh, yeah. People do it all the time. Yeah, especially in today's day and age. We're yeah. seeing that more and more. You know, you have enough people on the Internet telling you something so. You may, in deep in your soul, know it's not. Parents, get your kids off the Internet. Yeah. The love of God. Get yeah. your kids off the Internet. Holy moly, man. It's a bad place. It is a bad place. All right. So, yeah, absolutely. You can convince yourself of a lot of things. And we'll get there. One day, one day, this class will eventually get into the Gospels. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. With um, somebody else, you'll do it, but not with me. So, in Deuteronomy 18, we have this prophecy, right? He says, he will tell them what I command him. And I love what you pointed out in John's Gospel. This is exactly what Jesus claimed. I'm telling you everything exactly as my Father has said it to me. Um, continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 19, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. This is, I mean, Paul, Peter says this in Acts chapter two, you know, uh, repent and save yourselves from this corrupt generation, right? At, Paul talks about this in Acts chapter seven and 17 in the area Gothicus, you know, he's going to bring judgment. We have, we know this because of the, the, uh, Jesus who he raised. Okay. In verse 20 in Deuteronomy 18, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. And so we end this prohibition. We end this prophecy with a prohibition for the current time. And I, I would say that this is something we need to be aware of even today. Mm -hmm. You know, you have people running around. I remember uh, back in the 2016 election, we had people, I had, I had people on Facebook running around who were claiming to be prophets who had heard a word from the Lord that President Trump was going to win the election. Mm -hmm. How'd that turn out? So, you know, are there people today claiming to be prophets from God? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely they are. Paul tells us that we should not detest prophecy, but mm -hmm. that we should test it. Well, how do we test it? It's got to be in sync with what the word well, of God says. It the next, he said, if it, if this, if it, yeah, in verse 21, you may say to yourself, how can we know what a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously and do not, and so do not be alarmed. And we see also in Deuteronomy 13, more prohibitions on this, mm -hmm. where the Lord says, I'll raise up prophets. What they say will come to pass, but then they're going to tell you to go do things I've already told you not to do. Be careful. The Lord is testing you to see whether you or not you really do love him. So wow. what is the standard? Yep. The standard is not what the prophet says, but what God has already said. Mm -hmm. If what the prophet says is not in sync with what God has already spoken, the word of God, God isn't, doesn't change his mind. He's not like a shifting shadow over here, right? Mm -hmm. James talks about that. God has spoken, and he's spoken to us in these final days through his son. Mm -hmm. And so we have 
the message confirmed. If a prophet comes along and says, I'm a prophet of God, okay, what do you have to say? He says some stuff. It's already going to be, it's going to be in sync with what God has said. And if he says, and this is what's going to happen in the future, and then that doesn't happen, well, then we know. If he comes and says, this is what's going to happen, and, and it happens, seen, and it's... we've seen it how many times? We've seen all kinds of people. Oh, yeah, you've seen a lot You know, of leading all kinds of people. We have. You know, I mean, you know, stuff in Waco and stuff out in California and, you know, Heaven's Gate stuff. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. All kinds. You know, it says stuff's going to happen and nothing happened. It was it was nonsense. It was false. That is that is the easiest way you can tell. If somebody gets up and says they're a prophet of the Lord and they and they start speaking prophecy and then it doesn't come to pass. It's the easiest way to tell that they're not from the Lord. If it does come to pass and then it's not in sync with what the book already teaches. It's still it's still, still wrong. Being, it's still wrong. Is people people go all the time? Well, how you know he he said this and then it came to pass. So what do we do? Well, is it in sync with what God has already said? You know, I mean, it, let's take David Koresh in the Waco Waco incident for a second. Now I don't know what this guy actually. I'm just using his example. Maybe I shouldn't have said his name, but just using it as an example. I don't know what the guy taught. I don't know what he said. I know he did some horrible things. I know he was shot by the feds, but I don't I don't really know anything past that. I don't know what his theology was, right? But let's say this guy comes along and says. Well, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow, this, 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 and they're going to happen. And it happens immediately. And he says, see, I'm a prophet. Everybody goes, ah, oh, he's a prophet. And then he says, now let us go over here and create an idol and worship it. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. You, know, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. got to be in sync. So how can you tell? We're right back to this. You got to go book. back to the book. You got to know what, you got to know what the Lord has said. But, but a guy, a, a good, a good, somebody really good at this. We'll take the book, twist it around. And if you don't know the book yourself, they'll twist it around and make it say what they want it to say, what it really doesn't say. People have been doing that a long time. Yeah, they've been doing it. I'm thinking, time. you know, and, and this is challenging for some people. I understand that. I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, Pope Innocent, back in Europe, back during the Middle Ages, God wills it. And off they go killing a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. They come bringing the sword, holy war. That's not okay. That's no. not in the book. That's not what God says. No. Now, I understand there are political things involved with that as well. There are other issues at mm -hmm. stake. But what I'm pointing out is, as a Christian, is it okay for me to go butcher a bu bunch and, of people who won't convert? And guys, that's no. why we're doing what we're doing. That, we're, we're just, we're, we're methodically going through text, looking at some different angles of it. We're not catching every angle, but we're looking at different angles of it to try to help you to better understand what it is, who's the God you're dealing with, and what he has planned and what he wants us to do, he wants us to be obedient to him. Absolutely. That's pretty obvious. We know that he's going to bring a prophet because we just read that to you from, from Deuteronomy. He's going to bring a new prophet. Well, we're telling you that prophet's Jesus. That's the one that fulfilled that prophecy. You know, Jesus said, I, I only speak on what Father told me to speak. And well, here, here we got another. And what we're going to tell you is, is that this new prophet is going to be a mediator between us and God. He's going to be an intercessor between us and God, and he's going to he's going to uh, he's going to bring us into a pre the presence of God with a new relationship, a relationship that is father to son, father to daughter. And what's the result of intercession in Exodus thirty two fourteen? Then the Lord relented and did not bring on His people the disaster mm -hmm. He had threatened. Mm -hmm. What do we have when Christ intercedes for us? What do we have? And the blood of Christ purifies us from all sin. John yeah. chapter was it? John chapter. One verse, two verse, John what chapter, you say? first John chapter, first John chapter one, verse five through eight, five through eight. Thank mm -hmm. you. So, you know, we have what, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually purifies us from all sin. And so when we have that intercession, there's two things there that talks about, right? Yeah. We have to walk in the light. Yeah. That's pretty simple. We have to walk in light. 
All right. That means we have to, that means we have to walk in that place where God is and not where he isn't. He's not in evil. That's right. That's in the dark. We have to walk in the light. That means our, our, our lifestyle has to change. Our pathway has to change. Our, our verbiage has to change. Our mind has to change. Everything about us has to change. And then it's the second thing it says in there. And we have, and, and he had fellowship with those that he said, unless you walk in light and have fellowship with, with others like that, you can't just keep running with the same people you ran with up before. Say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm walking the light. You can't walk in the light if you walk in the dark with other people. You have to walk in the light with other people and have fellowship one with another is what he said. That means that we have to have fellowship. People say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Yes, you do. Actually, First John makes it very clear that you you can't be a Christian without, without that. other people. You can, yeah, it and, you, you, and it tells us very clearly you have to love them. Yeah, if you do not love God's people, you don't love God. And you can't love them. You know, never seeing them, never being around them. You can't love them. Uh, I mean, not nine times out of ten when I hear this, right? Well, I, I, I love God, um, and I love Jesus, and I'm going to just go be a church up on a mountaintop by myself, right? Okay, you're, so you're rejecting the people that God has loved and cleansed and, and favored. And, and it's essentially saying, I want God, but I don't want to deal with people because people are this, that, and the other. And I understand that. It's very, it's, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, we have people hurt each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all sick patients. The, the metaphor you like to use, and I, I love it. It's fantastic. Hospital. We're in a hospital, we're right? We're in a hospital. Everybody's um, in one, form, one state of recovery and or got, And you've got, you know, if you're medical, you know what I'm talking about. You've got MRSA running around all the hospital and people are getting cross-infected and everything like that. People aren't hand sanitizing between patients and stuff. So, you know, that 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 does happen and it occurs. But even so, God's expectation is that you function within the community. This is a, a community endeavor. And if you're if you're going to reject the community, you're rejecting God. And that's what and that's what this new prophet, this new intercessor, this new mediator gives us the opportunity to do. Absolutely. You cannot say, well, I don't want to go to church. I don't think I need to go to church. That's not your call. God says this is what needs to happen. The apostles, the, the first century writers, they showed us the example of what we need to do. You talked about walking in the light and how it's not walking in evil. And the, the cornerstone of walking in the light in First John is loving one another. That's absolutely right. If you're not loving one another, it doesn't matter. None of the rest of it matters. Mm -hmm. And you're certainly not loving one another mm -hmm. when you're rejecting the body. And he tells us, he said, if we walk in the light, have fellowship with one another, then the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. That means the blood continually washing me clean, continually, over and over and over. You know, because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna sin. I'm gonna make mistakes, and so he's continually washing me. And I think that's why we spent so much time, guys, on these texts. I mean, it, say, man, are they ever gonna get through with this? Well, it's important for us to set this up. You know, now, now we're gonna come to a point where where Moses is gonna walk down a mountain and see for himself what's happened, and he gets mad. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think it, I think it's a, you know, we spent a lot of time on the first two, first fifteen or so verses for a reason. Yeah, because you know. You needed to see this relationship that Moses has with God and this relationship that we're going to have with Christ at some point because he's going to send that intercessor to intercede for us. I think I think it's important to, for people to know when I've sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, absolutely. Jesus Christ. Yes, absolutely. It's by his blood that I'm made righteous. Absolutely. And it's through his blood, through his intercession, that God relents and doesn't doesn't give us and treat us exactly how we deserve. I can't I can't have a relationship with God without the blood of Christ. That's right. That's what get what makes it. That's what the gospel is about. You know, the kingdom doesn't exist without the blood of Christ and the resurrection on the third day. That's right. Doesn't exist. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study together. I pray, Father, that that uh, that the, our audience has has understood what we've been trying to put across here, and uh, and we thank you, Father, for the opportunity. We pray your blessings upon all of us as we as we navigate through uh, these texts and as we look uh, to see what we're going to have to apply, how we're going to apply this to our own lives. We thank you for the opportunities, Father. We know that you love us. We know that you've provided for us an access to you through your Son. And we cannot say thank you enough. Bless us, Father, as we move forward. Help us, Father, as we as we find those obstacles uh, to this new life. And Father, give us the answers that we're going to need to to combat those obstacles. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.